Well, we have our pastor back. He was in Texas and Colorado. And... Honey, why don't you come and I'll pray for you. Let's just pray over our pastor. Father, I thank you so much tonight for the word that you prepared. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do tonight through our pastor. And I just ask that your anointing be strong upon him. And any tiredness, any fog that may be on him, Lord, I just ask you to remove that. Remove that. Help him to speak boldly what you put in his heart. Stir it up strong by your Holy Spirit. We just call you invigorated by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Isn't God wonderful? Jesus is the reason. Wow, that stirred me up, those testimonies I was hearing. We could just do that all night. I mean, I'm confident we could. There's so many, so many of those testimonies that each one of us have. And if you don't have any of those testimonies, I'm telling you, you can have them. All right? All you have to do is do what the Word tells you about these finances, and you can have these testimonies as well. I was um, in Colorado last weekend and, and ministering out there. We had a wonderful time. The church in Colorado sends you their love and, and looking forward to seeing us at the landmark. Most of them are coming in, or a, or a bunch of them anyway. And um, I, I actually told them that all of them are coming. I said, I've been telling everyone, everyone's coming, so don't make me a liar. And, uh, but some of them wouldn't be manipulated by that. <laughs> Thank God, because we don't do manipulation, right? But as, as I was out there, I, I taught five times uh, in, in two days, and we covered many topics and things, and, and one of the um, subjects was tithes, offerings, and first fruits, and what that is. And, and maybe sometime soon, I'm going to get to, we'll just do a whole sermon on that, or maybe a, a weekend, several days in the blessing of the Lord concerning finances. But in being in that over the weekend, and then you guys sharing these testimonies, I'm telling you, there is financial breakthrough in the Word for you and me. And I remember, I remember one time, just... You know, Here's my testimony for tonight, okay? And um, we were in a really bad way financially. We were believing God for every bite and every swallow that was coming our way. And um, we thought that uh, we had just gotten a hold of, of tithing and returning it to the Lord. Because it belongs to Him, it's not ours to begin with. And so we, we decided we're going to grab a hold of this and we started to see it work in our life. And what happens when you see something begin to work? You get excited about it, don't you? Faith rises up and you believe what... Oh, He did mean what He said, right? And you begin to act upon what He said. And I had sold, um, I don't know, a piece of equipment or something and, and I was on the way to the bank with the money and to deposit for that piece of equipment. And I'm, I'm driving my 72 GMC that I had and, and it's a great truck, by the way, I... I Anyhow, I, don't, I better not get sidetracked. And uh, I'm driving down the road, and I, I have the money sitting on the seat beside me, and I decide I'm gonna, uh, I was going to lay out the tithe for what we had just sold. And I, said it, I counted it as I'm driving down the road. Don't do that, okay? 
Uh, but this was before the distracted driving laws. And so um, I, I count out the tithe and I lay it on the seat beside me. And I keep going down the road and I had, of course, we're, like I said, believe in God for every, everything that's happening. And, and we are, we're in debt up to our ears everywhere. All the bills are turning red. We're losing things. I mean, we're in a bad way. I mean, it, the mountain of debt, at that point, we were like some, almost a million dollars in debt because of projects and things that we had being built and all this. So to us, it looked like a pretty big mountain. And I remember I was driving down the road and I realized that I had pretty much sold everything that wasn't nailed down or wasn't my children <laughs> and didn't know what else to sell, right? And I had one piece, an attachment for an uh, excavator that I could still sell. And it wasn't going to be that much, but um, I think maybe $5,000 or something. And I decided, you know, I'm going to tithe on that before it sells. I had advertised it. I had got zero interest in it. And we only live like three miles from the bank. So this is all happening between my house and the bank. And uh, I decided not to try to twist God's arm, but because I believe what he said. And because I love him and I love his laws and I love the, the law of finance that he's put into motion, I'm just going to tithe on that attachment even though it hadn't even sold and no one's interested in it. And so I picked up the money again and counted out that additional tithe and laid it down on the seat. And I went maybe half a mile. And my phone rings. And I pick up my phone and it's this guy going, hey, do you still have that, uh, that mechanical thumb for the excavator? I'm like, yeah, I do. He said, well, are, are you firm on the price? I said, very. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm coming out this afternoon to get it. I'm buying it. And he did. And so... The Lord honors His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. And so when, if you'll grab it, I mean, I'm just into our sermon already tonight, I guess, because we've, we've been talking about living in the light and loving it and being a doer of the Word. Alright? So do you just know about the Word or do you actually put it into practice? And I, I, I've said this here before many times, but... Jen and I, we say this at home, you know, our needs are met by our giving. Our needs are met by our giving, not by our reaping. Because if you don't sow, I'll say it a different way. I'll use the word sow. Our needs are met by our sowing. If you don't sow, there's not going to be anything to reap. And side note, this will get into another sermon another night. You cannot sow a tithe to the Lord. Okay, tithe belongs to him. You can't you can't take something from somebody and then sow it back to them. That's not how that works. That's returning what belongs to them. But above and beyond the tithe, that's what you sow, and our needs are met by our sowing because that law works. In fact, I'm going to be this bold. Some of you may look at me cross-eyed, and that's all right. Maybe it'll it'll uh, make some questions come through on the question cards. Um, so when we were in Colorado, they, they took this great offering and wanted to bless us, $1,350, something like that. And yay, that's great, you know, and, and we could just reap and we could go away and say, yes, the Lord's meeting our needs. But what I immediately knew I need to do with this is I want to sow this. And I had, at, um, Stephen Mirabella had joined me and come with me to Colorado. And so we were like, well, let's just sow this into Stephen's ministry into Iraq. 
All of it. You know, we want bigger harvests, so that means we need to sow bigger seeds, right? And we need to believe and operate upon what the Word is saying. And some people, and the reason I'm telling you that I'm, I'm doing this is because I want to stomp all over the poverty spirit that tries to creep in to the body of Christ all the time. You know, we are not called to be paupers. We are called to change the world, and that's going to take finances. So you and I have to come up in a level of finances that the world has not seen believers walk in yet. And together, in that level of anointing, in that level of enablement from the Father, we can do things that haven't been done yet. You know, the Lord didn't put us here to just do little tiny things. Jesus said you will do greater things. And so let's believe for it. You know, in the old days when they gave offerings, in the old days I mean by like in the old covenant, they would bring them into the temple and they were required to lift their offering up before the Lord and before all the people and there was a certain something they were supposed to say. They were also supposed to do that with their tithe. The tithe and the offering and the first fruit were not to be done in secret. They were to be done publicly and openly. What was supposed to be done in secret is the alms, what you do for the poor. That's something that you do secretly and nobody knows and the Lord rewards you openly. So don't confuse alms with the offering basket going by and putting money in or, or me standing here and saying, hey, we just sowed $1,350 into the kingdom of God. No, I'm supposed to be a, an example to you. So let's, let's do more of that. And I know many of you already have and do and, as we have and, and do. And we have seen again and again and again when we do things like that, there is a direct line between that and later a miraculous harvest that comes in that's like, wow, that was so unexpected. Is it all right that I'm that bold? Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. So living in the light and loving it. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to just begin where we did last time. Stephen Mirabella and his family send their love, and they... Um, Adrian and I were yesterday, we left yesterday morning, I guess, a lot has happened in the last couple of days, and we went down to uh, Texas, and we're at their oldest son's graduation. He was at Alert Academy down there and graduated, and so we went down and celebrated with them and came back this afternoon, and hallelujah. So we've been going hard and fast. So when Jen was praying for uh, divine light and energy to help me, there was a reason. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 5. Let's look at verse 14. Well, it would help if I would find it. Jesus is speaking, and this is what He says. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now these are some amazing statements that Jesus says. He said, you. Someone say, that's me. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And then He says... 
that you sh- your light should shine. Not my light. Jesus didn't say my light or the Father's light in you. No, there's a change of identity that has taken place if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and it's now your light. And He said your light will shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not you, your Father. Now, the great thing about the Father is, is He said that He's going to share His glory with us. And we are going to live through the ages, and He is going to be showing us amazing things. Right? And so we have much to look forward to. So let's, let's look at this again. You are the light of the world. Now, this is all said. We understand because we have the whole New Testament that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And we know that when we make Him our Lord, that the Spirit of Christ comes to live in us. That is the light of the world now living in us. I no longer, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. See, it's not me anymore. The life I live in the flesh, He's living how? By faith. In the Son of God. He said, Christ lives in me. And so that's how He's living. So we are light. And our light is supposed to be seen by men and women and children so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Ephesians 5.8 was another verse that we had used just in review. It says, you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Live as children of light. We're talking about living in the light. And we identified and we looked at, we said, well, you have to hear and obey. In James chapter 1, verse 22, we looked at this verse extensively. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the Word. Someone say doers. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. See, who is it that gets the results? Is it the one who hears the Word? Or the one who does the Word? It's it's the one who hears and does, right? You have to hear before you can do. Hearing is important. I mean, at one point, Paul said, you know, how can we preach unless we're sent? Right? It's through the foolishness of preaching. But you have to hear. Hearing. Hearing and hearing. Well, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Right? So everything that we do is by faith. Well, we're going to be doers of the Word. We're not going to only hear. Because if we hear but do not do... (laughs) There's a lot of do's in there. We deceive ourselves. And you know, self-deceived is a very very bad problem. Self-deceived is worse than being devil-deceived. You know, if you have a devil, we can cast that out of you. But we can't cast you out of you. And if you're self-deceived, that's just a whole other basket of problems. If you're devil-deceived, well, we can take authority over that spirit and break it off of you and suddenly you're able to see what you could not see before. But when you have deceived yourself... There's no devil to cast off. There's just a mind that has to be renewed and resubmitted to the Lord. And all of us have been guilty of this from time to time. Knowing something but not doing it. Knowing the right thing but not doing it. 
We know we're supposed to walk in love with our family members, but then sometimes we just don't. See, that's knowing it and not doing it. See, yeah, but pastor, there was, you don't understand the situation. It doesn't change it. Your circumstances don't determine your reactions. You do. And so what do we know and what are we doing? In the BBE, it says it this way. He says, if you, if you do not do the word, if you hear it only, you blind yourself with false ideas. False ideas. And this is a danger for you and I because, and I know I've said this before and I'm going to be like Peter and I'm just going to keep reminding you of this, some of these same things as we go through this series. But you know, when we hear something and we hear something and we hear something and we hear something, yeah, yeah, yeah. The danger is that because we know it, we think we are automatically doing it. And that is, a da- that is something we must examine ourselves judge ourselves and say, am I actually doing what I claim to know? Am I actually following through on it? You know, you can have a gym membership. I mean, they can even give you the nice card that says you're a member. You can even carry it in your wallet. In fact, you can buy books about fitness and working out and you can do all these research on the internet and watch all the YouTube how-to videos. How to get in shape and how to shed weight and how to sculpt your body, right? You, you can know all about nutrition. In fact, you can even go and become a licensed trainee. Go through the schooling and, man, you know exactly how to do all of it. You may even talk to all your friends and tell them how great your gym is. But you get absolutely zero benefit if you don't go into the gym and sweat and do Knowing about it, having all the right equipment in your, in your basement, come on, <laughs> having it there doesn't do anything. Let's say it a different way. You can be a farmer. You can know all about the weather. You can have a, a degree in biology and all kinds of ologies. You can have all the right equipment in the barn. You can have a beautiful field. But if you don't get out there and plow and plant, You're only going to have weeds. There's no benefit to you. It's knowing it, but not doing it. So it's not only what you know. What you know is important. Okay, we call that light. What you know is important, but it's not only what you know. It's what you do with what you know. It's what you do with what you know. So say, I am a doer of the Word of God. He has given me ears. To hear the truth, and I do the truth. In fact, if you want to be family with Jesus, he said, my mother and my brothers and my sisters are those who hear the word and do it. Those who hear and do. I read to you um, two weeks ago when we started this, or actually, uh, we started the series three weeks ago, I guess, when, when we started it with the great exchange. We've been made the righteousness of God. Okay, and we're going to include that into this series because that's something important because after I, I taught the last um, sermon, I was concerned because I heard a, a few people say things that made me, it sounded like they were in condemnation at the end of that sermon. And we're not here to put anybody into condemnation. 
And so the sermon that came before that one's really important that you hear. If you weren't here to hear about your identity in Christ and who He has made you to be, then the next one you might feel is a little heavy. Okay, So you have to know who you are so that you can handle the truth and examine and judge yourself. Am I doing what I know to do? You know, if you think, well, you know, will the Lord, will the Lord help me if I did it to myself? I knew what to do and I didn't do it, so now I have the problem, so will He help me out of the problem? Yes, thank you. I'm glad some people say yes. Alright? I have done it. He's helped me and He'll do the same for you. Right? He is merciful. And, and two weeks ago we had read in Ezekiel 33, verses 30, 31 and 32. And I'll just read them to you. You don't need to turn there. This is what he was saying to the prophet. The Lord said this to Ezekiel the prophet. He says, Now son of man, your people are talking about you near the city walls and in the doorways of their house. One person speaks to another, each saying to his brother, Come and hear what the message is that comes from the Lord. Well, this is great. Right? Inviting people to church. Come and hear what the Word is. This is good. We should all be doing this. The problem begins in the next verse. So my people come to you in crowds. Great. Sit in front of you. Good. Hear your words. Great. But they don't obey them. Uh Uh-oh. Self-deceived. Although they express love with their mouths, their hearts pursue dishonest profit. Yes, to them you're like a singer, like an entertainer, okay? Like a singer of love songs, who has a beautiful voice, plays skillfully on an instrument, they hear your words, but don't obey them. And in the society that we live in, it's real easy to become accustomed, maybe not as easy after a year like 2020, (laughs) but prior to that, it definitely was, and we have to be on guard that we don't slip back into that. It's real easy to come to hear, to be entertained, and to go home. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to come, be the love of Christ to each other, encourage each other, change where is needed, and go out bringing that change with us. We examined the difference of, between a believer and a disciple. And we recognized that Jesus was speaking to believers in John chapter 8. And he ends up calling them sons of the devil. Believers. Just a dozen verses later, he's like, you guys are sons of the devil. And if you look at the context, it was believers he was speaking to. People who had believed on him. But you know, the Word says that even devils believe and tremble. But they don't do what they believe, do they? They act differently than what they believe. They know that Jesus is King. And that God is sovereign over them. And yet, do they worship Him? Do they submit to Him? No. Okay, and that just brings more darkness. So is believing enough? No, Jesus said that if you continue in My Word, that means if you do My Word, okay? If you do My Word, you really are My disciples. See, believing it, but then going out and doing it, two different things. Believing it's a great start, but don't stop there. We have to now go do it, and then we are true disciples of Jesus. And he said this, he said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not knowledge of the truth that sets us free, 
It's knowing the truth experientially, intimately, by doing it that sets you free. By continuing in His Word. It's continuing in His Word that you will now know the truth and it sets you free. It's not just simple knowledge of the truth. In fact, Jesus said that to him that has much, more will be given. And to him that does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So what are you doing with what you know? What are you doing with the revelation that God has given you? Are you walking in it? Or is it like, ho-hum, yeah, at at one time it was a good idea, but now... So examine yourself. Am I doing what I know? Let's look at Luke 6. We're still in review. Sometimes it does us good to hear things again. And again. See, they know me. Luke 6 and 46. This is the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And I don't think it calls them that in this story. That's in Matthew where it gives them those labels. But in 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do, see that? Do the things I say. So they came and they heard, but they didn't do. So he's asking, why do you do that? He said, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me. That's a good thing. Hears my words. That's a good thing. And acts on them. See, now that person's going to get results. In verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep. So the effort went into this. It didn't just fall on him like cherries off a tree. It took effort. He dug deep. That takes more effort than not digging deep. All right. When I was like 14 years old, I went out with my uncle. He was working on a construction project and they were building greenhouses and we dug hundreds of holes by hand for these greenhouses. And the dirt was something akin to rock. (laughs) And so it was difficult and it took effort to dig deep. But to get a good foundation for these things, we had to put in that effort. We had to get down to really good, solid Well, rock. That Missouri soil, at least down where we were at in the Ozarks, man, I don't know how anything grows in it. It's all rocks and stones. Here, he says, he's like a man who is building a house who dug deep. He laid the foundation on the rock. And we know Jesus, the truth, the light of the world, is the rock. And when your roots go down into the light, the rock... You become light. What happens when you screw the light bulb into the socket? When you're hooked up to the power source, we don't think about it that we're seeing electricity in the light. We just think about light. Right? Well, it's the same way when you're plugged into the power source of God. And they just see the light that comes from that. And they give Him glory. Where were we here? Alright, so he's on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house. Couldn't even shake it because it was well built. Unscathed. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. See, that took a lot less effort. It's the shortcut. Took a lot less effort. If anyone ever tries to tell you that walking the walk of faith is really easy, they're lying to you. 
Now, the grace of God can make difficult things easy. Don't misunderstand me. But without the grace of God doing that for you, things you can't do on your own, it's not easy. It goes completely against the flesh and what the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to see and experience. It does not want to wait. Which is what faith is, is believing for something you don't have yet. And so here, anyone can build a house just out on the ground and with no foundation and no effort really. So the river crashed against it immediately. It collapsed. I mean, it didn't even hold up for a little bit. Immediately, it says. Instantly. The storm, the river, the flood, boom, that house is gone. And the destruction of the house was great. Now here's the thing that I pointed out last time. These two guys went to the same church. They heard the same sermons. They read the same Bible. They memorized the same Scriptures. They grew up in the same church, right? They, used, they got their building materials from the same store. And they built right along the same river at the same time. And the same storm hit both of them on the same night. One stood and one did not. Don't think that being a word of faith person, being a believer, is going to make so that no storms come your way. Now this guy here, storm came his way, but he stood through the storm. After the storm was gone, no destruction. How is that possible? A river hitting a house? But God, right? But God. With God, faith in God, doing the Word, you can go through, well, Jesus said this, you're going to have trials and tribulations in this world, but be stoked, brothers. Be of good cheer. Be courageous, He said. Be happy about it. I have overcome the world. So no matter the storm that's coming, we have an anchor in the rock, right? His name is Jesus. So we're going to continue to answer the question, how do I live in the light? Because we asked that question last time and we were looking at, well, how do I live in the light? And the answer to that question was, well, walk in what you know to do, right? Be a doer of the Word, and that's how you live in the light. But we're going to continue to answer that. You know, Proverbs 4.18 says this, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Well, what's the light of dawn like? Well, it's black. You can't see anything. Right before dawn is the darkest part of the night. And then a crack of light starts to come over the horizon. And you can make out shapes, you know, maybe a couple feet away from you. And you give it a few minutes, and you give it 30 minutes, and suddenly, man, you can see quite a bit further. There's light starting to come in. And if you wait just a little longer, pretty soon you can see a long way. But it just keeps getting brighter and brighter until it's like noonday, it says. The path of the righteous, you, who's, who's been made the righteous? You and I. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, He made you to be as right as God. Right standing in the eyes of God is what righteousness is. And so here, the path of the just, the path of the righteous, gets brighter and brighter, shining brighter and brighter until midday or like the noonday sun. So who here wants more light? 
more light. It's going to mean more accountability. But here's the thing. If you try to avoid light because you know light is there and you don't want to be accountable, you're still held accountable for the light you could have had. Because you chose to not, I, I chose not to know that truth. A heart issue, that's right. Jesus said this. He said, the one who has my commands and keeps them. The one who has my commands, that means they heard the word. The one who has my commands and does them, keeps them, guards them, lives them, is the one who loves me. And then he went on and said, I will love him and will reveal myself to him. That's more light. So I asked the question, do you want more light? So you're going to have to keep his commands, have them, keep them, do them, and he will reveal himself to you and give you more light. You know, Psalms 36.9 says, in your light we see light. All revelation comes from the Lord. We can't see anything, we can't understand anything if it's not him that's shining the light for us. And when that light comes and we begin to see and we have revelation and, and it, isn't it amazing how when you're trying to do something in the dark and if you add just a little more light to it, suddenly a really difficult task is simple. Or, or maybe you, the sun shone differently or reflected off of something up into a corner of your house and really blasted light up into a corner and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of cobwebs up there. Never... We didn't see those before. Where did they come from? But you add, shine some light on the issue and you might be shocked at what you're seeing suddenly. And so, in the same way how a task becomes easier when you add light, sometimes you just need more light. And did you know that the Lord desires to give you more light? He wants you to be able to see all that you need to see. And we're going to talk about seeing in just a minute. But he wants you to be able to see it. In fact, in Isaiah 42, 16, he said this. He said, I will lead the blind. That's those who cannot see. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. I believe this is true for the church today. We've come into a time and an age where we've not been before. And, and by and large, much of the body of Christ has been blind. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to lead them in a way they have not known. And here he goes on, he says, I'm going to, along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. Has 2020 been familiar for anyone? Yeah. Now, along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. And what comes next? I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. I'm, I'm reading in the NIV if you're following along in a different translation. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. Glory. Giving us light. See, the purpose of light, I said we're going to talk about seeing, the purpose of light isn't just so that you can see. Light was not given so you can just see. Ah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> see, when you say that, you just got light. But it wasn't given it to you so you can just see. Light does you zero benefit if you don't get up and move. If you're just sitting and the light comes on, how is that helping you? Unless you use that light. And even in, think about the, the lights on your headlights. They don't shine all the way from here to your home when you go to leave tonight. 
They only shine 200 feet down the road. And if you go, well, I can't see far enough yet, you're never going to go anywhere. You have to go to the end of the light you have. And more light will come. The Lord wants to give you all the light you need to see so that you can walk in it. Not just know something. That doesn't help anything if you don't actually make use of it and walk in it. See, Psalm 119, 105 illustrates this great. It says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Now, why would we need a lamp for our feet and a light for our path if we were statues? We wouldn't. We're supposed to be going somewhere. We're supposed to be walking in it. Walk in the light that you have. Seeing really well. I mean, with 2015 vision. I have 2015 vision. Okay, I can read all the numbers on the charts of the doctors and a few lines that aren't there. It's always fun to keep going past the ones that are there and they start to look at you like... <laughs> but my point is, is 2015 vision will do me no good if I don't actually put it to use and, and walk into what I can see. I said a little bit ago that we're not held, we're, 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 say it this way, we are not held accountable for what we don't know if we didn't have opportunity to know it. We're not held accountable for what we don't know if you have not had the opportunity to know it. We are held accountable for what we do know. Hosea 4.6, you remember where he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge for lack of knowing. My people are destroyed for lack of knowing. And a lot of times we stop right there and we don't actually read the next line. But the next line says, because they have rejected knowledge. They're destroyed because they rejected knowledge. They rejected light. And then he goes on and he says, because they have rejected light, rejected me, rejected knowledge, I'm going to reject them. Remember what Jesus said, the one who has, even what he has will be taken away if he's not using it? So we're held accountable for what we know. See, you can't be a doer of the word that you haven't seen yet. You you can't do what you don't know. Jesus said this, he said, anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. So that His works, here we are back to those works again, so that His works may be shown to be accomplished by God. His light in you, which is now your light, you are the light of the world, the works that they produce are by the enablement of God in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the confident expectation of glory. Not future far away when I get into heaven glory, but no, Him being glorified. Christ in me, the confident expectation of glory. Now. Now. Not when I die and am in heaven. Glory. His glory now. And how does that happen? Light. Let, let me, let's approach it from a different angle. What is sin? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it in... Keith Moore's words, sin is violation of light. That's how he describes it. Sin is violation of light. And I like that because 
Well, James 4.17 says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. To him that knows, knows, has light about something but isn't doing it, to him it is sin. That's a violation of light. See, what you know is the light that you have. Jesus said this to the Pharisees. Um, he was having a conversation with them in, in John 9 and about the blind man that had been healed. And they had this whole court hearing and everything, and, and they're asking the blind guy's parents, well, who healed you? And he's like, well, I don't know, and all these things back and forth. And, oh, well, do you believe in Jesus? And then they asked Jesus, well, what, are we blind too? And Jesus made this statement. He said, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin." So you're not held accountable for what you don't know. If you were blind, then you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. So what are we seeing but not living? Seeing but not doing because of the cost. Because of the pressure. Because of what others are going to think. Or because, 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 right? What is sin? Well, it's violation of light. Another way of saying it is in Romans 14.23, whatever is not of faith or from faith is sin. Faith of, in what? Well, faith in the Word. Faith comes from the Word. The Word gives light. And so whatever is not in, in faith or of faith is sin. Whatever, I think the ESV says that whatever does not proceed out of faith, I like that, is sin. Or in James 2, we're talking about hearing the Word and doing it. He, he made this statement. He said, For just as the body without the Spirit is dead. For those of you that are in our home groups, we're going through that series, Victory Over Death. And he talked about how a glove represents our body. And that if you pull the hand out of the glove, the hand representing the Spirit... If you pull the spirit out of the glove, you don't have to stab the glove to make it quit moving. Right? It's just a carcass. Well, you and I are spirit beings inside the glove of our body, right? Someone suggested that we rename the church to the first church of the holy glove. But uh, we decided to stay with what we have. Um, but let's, let's look here. He says, just as the body without the spirit is dead... As soon as the Spirit leaves, that body is just a carcass. It's just a glove. So also, faith without works is dead. Just like your body is just a glove, as soon as that Spirit steps out of it, faith is just a carcass if there's no works accompanying it. You can hear the Word and hear the Word, and oh yeah, I believe that, I believe that, but if you're not actually doing it, then it's just a, just a glove, just a carcass. Let's say it a different way to the question, what is sin? Sin is a violation of the Word. It's a, sin is an archery term, okay? And it means missing the mark. Shooting an arrow at the target, missing the bullseye, and it hits somewhere else on the target, right? You missed the mark. That's what sin is, missing the mark. And so what is sin? Well, it, it's a violation of the Word. It's missing the mark. Psalm 119.130 says the entrance of your Word gives light. The entrance of your Word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Well, if, the, if violating His Word, violating light, isn't that how we explained it? Sin violates light. 
It's not doing what you see, what you know. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. Now John is writing to believers here. He's writing to the church, to disciples. And he gives them some instructions. Let's start in verse 5. He says, now this is the message we have heard from Him. The word that we've heard from Him. And declare to you. God is light. Let's say that. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in Him. What is darkness? Absence of light. Darkness is just absence of light. And if you take God out of a situation, it gets dark real fast. And what happens in the dark? Like the one fellow said, well, I don't know, I couldn't see What happens in the dark? Well, you can't see. And maybe some of you, you haven't moved very much, but because we moved a lot of times, you know how at night you can walk through your house in the dark and you just know where things are? And you can walk around? Well, try moving. Now you're in a new house. And you try that same trick of going to the bathroom in the middle of the night with no light. And suddenly you're running into things and, well, I thought the door was here. Where is it? Oh, over here. See, you missed it. And so if you, in the dark, you're running into things, you're stumbling around, you think you're going the right direction, but you're actually not. It's too dark to see that you're not. And there's confusion. And even if you figure out I'm going the wrong direction, you don't know what's the right direction because it's dark. Because you can't see. And then with all these obstacles you're running into, you're probably going to wind up with some injuries. So now I'm confused. I'm hurt. I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. I'm probably discouraged at this point. Maybe I'll just go back to bed. If I could find the bed. (laughs) Or the light switch. (laughs) Let's let's look at verse 5 again. This is the word that we've heard from Him and declare to you, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, what is fellowship? That means you're with Him. You can't fellowship with somebody you're not with. This is why it's important why we have weekly meetings. To fellowship with each other. We're in each other's presence. Well, you can't fellowship with someone that you're not with. So he says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. You know, confusion is part of darkness. And if you're in confusion and in the dark and bumbling around and stumbling around and you don't know which direction to go and you don't know where you're at or what you're supposed to be doing, that's called darkness. And if you're saying, well, yeah, I'm fellowshipping with the Lord, now you're a liar too. I know, it's strong, isn't it? What does he say? He says, you're lying and not doing the truth. Practicing the truth. Who who is light? God is light. So let's, let's do it this way. If we shut all the lights off in here, and it was dark outside, so it was just pitch black in here. And I had myself a little light up here that you... As long as you're with me, you can see. We can walk, we can go over steps, we can go around obstacles, and if you stay with me, 
You, know, you see exactly where you're going. You, you can see. But if you went over to the other side of the room and started walking around, what would happen? You start bumbling into things and bumping into things and what's going on and where am I? I mean, think about out in a jungle. Pretty soon you get away from the light. You don't, can't even see the light anymore which direction the light is. And it's not that He's gone away from you. You've gone away from Him. If you remain with Him, you'll be in the light. But out there, where the hyenas and lions are roaming around looking who they can devour, it's dark out there. Don't go out there, but stay with Him. He says here in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, if you're with Him, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Notice it doesn't say it cleanses the guy out in the dark. That claims he's with him, but he's out in the dark, away from the light, obviously not with him. It doesn't say that guy's cleansed. But if you're with him, if you're in the light, and as soon as you realize that, oh, whoa, I got sidetracked by that pretty little flower, and he started going that direction, boy, sorry, I'm back, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm in the light. Acknowledging it. What's the next verse? If we say we have no sin, that's in the context of if you're out there wandering around in the dark. If you say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And he makes this so strong. Not even in us. Wow. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So should we cover or confess our sin? Confess. Yeah. I expected that to be a little stronger, but... Yes! Okay, we're, we're going places. Proverbs 28.13 says this. You can stay here where we're at because we're going to come back here again. It just says this. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Mercy. Whoever confesses them and forsakes them. Meaning, I'm not going out there in the dark. I'm staying over here by the light. They have mercy. Thank God for mercy. What is mercy? Well, mercy is not getting the judgment that you rightly deserve. That's what mercy is. The punishment belonged to you, but Jesus reaped it in your place. Yeah, the law of sowing and reaping works. Absolutely does. Also works for sin. The good news is the reaping has already taken place for the sin. He, he reaped that punishment for sin so that you and I can be debt free. Remember, I told you that there's no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. In, in, in. Not out in the dark. In the light. In Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of people, they claim to be in the light, but they're not. They're not doing what they know to do. And therefore, dark self, that's self-deception. And it's bad when you're out there bumbling around in the dark and you think you're with Him, but you're not. And you don't even know it. 
Let's read verse uh, 9 again. If we confess our sins. Now, the way I was raised, thankfully, there's better ways, much more thorough, eternal ways. But the way I was raised was that, you know, if, if it was a bad enough sin, you had to get up in church publicly and state what you did in front of everybody and, you know, say that you've repented and asked the Lord to forgive you. And, and so there was shame and, you know, embarrassment and all those things that would accompany that kind of situation. Um, yeah, it did have motivational qualities to it, for sure. But that's not what this confess is about. This confess is confess it to the one who can do something about it, Jesus. You know, me confessing my sin to Kevin might have benefits for him helping to hold me accountability, but he can't do anything about the sin. Me confessing it to the one who has paid the price for my sin. Now, now we're getting somewhere. What does confession look like? You know, we taught our children that there's three steps to confession. Three steps to an apology. Three steps to making it right. The first step is acknowledge what you did wrong. So just between you and the Lord, you acknowledge that, Lord, I violated light. I didn't do what I know to do. I know, I know you told me not to say that, and I went ahead and said it, and I violated what you told me. And so you acknowledge it. The second thing that you do is, if you're dealing with a person, ask them to forgive you. Now, you and I have already been forgiven, right? We still need to bring it to Jesus. Thank Him for His forgiveness. And then step three is, you make a new agreement with that person. In this case, that person is God. Sometimes that person is yourself. You make a new agreement about, what am I going to do going forward? You know, next time I have the opportunity this opportunity, I'm going to do this. So you have, it's a thorough confession is not just saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know you're sorry. But what does that do? Nothing, right? No, a thorough confession is acknowledging it, asking for forgiveness, I mean repentance we're talking, confession and repentance, yeah. is then turning and going the opposite direction because you have made a new agreement with yourself. A lot of times, you know why people beat themselves up with hammers so much when they blow it? Because they're not forgiving themselves. I've found that the Lord forgives me a whole lot quicker than I forgive me. I mean, I've told you this before, but I remember going to the Lord for the umpteenth time, the hundredth and fortieth time probably, and just feeling bad about and repenting about something that I had done back when. And I wasn't doing it again. It's just when I'd be, the devil would come and remind me of it. I'd feel bad all over again and repent to the Lord again. And finally, the Lord said to me, why do you keep talking to me about something that doesn't exist? And it just set me free. Never talked to the Lord about that one again. It doesn't exist. It's under the blood. Let's do it a different, let's say it a different way. If you... I mean, how many times have you blown it in one day? You know, maybe a lot. 70 times, 7 times? Probably not. That's a lot of times. 70 times 7. Blowing it on the same issue. What, what is 70 times 7? 
490? 490 times on the same issue in one day. I don't think any of us covered that one. And yet that's the standard for forgiveness for you and I on this level. That if you wrong me 490 times in one day, Jesus said I should still forgive and release that. Well, if that's the standard on this earthly level of dust, how much greater is the level that we have with Him? And when you've blown it 112 times on the same thing, and you come back to the Lord, and you know, you always come back to the Lord, and you always repent for the same thing, and, and then you go out and you find yourself, and you did it again, and now you're back to the Lord again, you know, He only remembers the last time. The enemy would like to, through condemnation, convince us that, oh no, he, he remembers all of the times. All 112 of them. In fact, you better just stay out in the dark. But when you come to the Lord, because His blood is final. And when you put it under the blood and it no longer exists, and you come to the Lord again with this thing, it's like, yeah, we, we know, Let, let's deal with that. But He doesn't remember the ones that came before that. His mercy is new. How often? Every morning. So if you ever thought by the end of the day that man, I'm getting close to that 490 times. Tomorrow morning, it's reset. It's new again today. Hallelujah. Let's read this again. Let's start in verse 5. Now this is the message we have heard from Him to declare to you. God is light. Now remember, we are talking about how to live in the light. So there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. We become self-deceived. We're lying to ourselves is what it is. But if we walk in the light as... He Himself is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And you could add a however in here. However, if we say, oh, we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. If you don't, how did verse 5 say it? Um, Or maybe it wasn't verse 5. Verse 6. That we're walking in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth, not doing the truth. Remember, we have to hear and do. Hear and do the truth. So God is light. What you hear is light. The revelation that you have, now you have to do it. And then he's, he makes this statement. He said, if, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... If we acknowledge our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, again referring back to if you're walking in darkness, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. This is the purpose, so that you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but mine and yours and everyone else's, the whole world's. I'm going to 
challenge you. Worship team, you can come up. I'm going to challenge you to do something this week. Take some time, get before the Lord, and tell Him, present yourself to Him and say, Lord, I'm asking you to show me where I've deceived myself, where I think I'm all about it, but in reality I'm actually not. And be tender before the Lord. You know, the one thing I've found out about the Lord is He's really patient. He's very kind. And He never looks to shame you. He'll tell you in that still small voice, so small you barely discern it. It was this over here. Pay attention to that. That's light. And if you want more light, which means more glory to the Father, it means more visible works, then yield to that light. Confess it to the Lord. As soon as you forsake it, change, in other words. Have a change of heart, a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. That's what repentance is. And then go the other way. Be grateful for His mercy. Thank Him for His patience. Thank Him for the grace. What, is, what did Hebrews 4 say? I mean, this is one of, one of my favorite verses of many in the Scriptures. In Hebrews 4, where it says that we can come boldly. Not timidly. Not hopefully. Not, hopefully it doesn't throw me out. Boldly, like it's your house. Boldly. I come into my house boldly. Especially my bedroom. My children don't enter so boldly into there. Because it's not theirs. Because they know there's limitations where they're allowed to be. Right? Especially when doors are shut. But for me, boldly. It's mine. It's my house. My bedroom. Boldly. Are you getting the picture? We come into the throne room of grace. Grace means His ability, His empowerment, His enablement, Him doing what you cannot do on your own for you. We come to the throne of grace to do what? So that we may find mercy. That means you messed up. That means you're coming boldly to the Father with a mark. A mark that deserves something. And yet, even with that knowledge, you don't have to be ashamed or afraid. You can still come in right boldly, right up to the throne of grace, so that you can find, the Word says, so that you can find mercy. Because you don't find the mercy out there in the dark. You find it in the light, at the throne. And, it says, and grace. So that... The Holman says it this way, so that you may receive mercy and find grace in your time of need. Meaning you needed it. Meaning you deserved something different. But mercy. Someone say, but mercy. Stand with me and let's, let's thank Him for His mercy. Let's thank Him for the ability to not sin. It is possible. If you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with doing something that you know, man, I'm take pornography for example. If you're dealing with that, 
and you know that, man, this is violating life, you know, there is deliverance for that. There, you can completely come out of that and not go back to it anymore at all and be free of that. But you're going to have to do what you know. You have to do what you know. So, Father, we just present ourselves to you right now, Lord. And I ask you, Father, that by your Spirit, you are the revealer and that you by your the spirit of christ right here tonight you reveal to us individually those things that we need to change the areas we need to come up in father any place that we are deceived in lord we ask you please show us this please identify it for us please reveal give us the light to be able to see it so that we can walk out of it and walk in the light as you are in the light I thank you for this, Lord. Father, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that's final for all sin. Father, thank you that you have redeemed us, that you bought us, that you called us by name, you made us your own. We can come to you boldly, Father, not ashamed, but gratefully, boldly, excitedly, because you are our help. And I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for more grace being received tonight in this house in Jesus name and amen now and it starts tonight it starts right here confess out the victory in your pain confess out the victory in your shame confess out the victory in the things that you're dealing with in the storm it's time to stand up and use the mouth that God gave you to use the mouth that he gave you start to use the mouth Declare out the truth 
that you already know inside of you. Hallelujah. God, I have the victory in your name. I'm going to start it. You guys don't want to start it. I'm going to do it. Hallelujah to your name, Lord God. I have the victory every day in my life. When I speak it forth like James says in the book, Lord God, I have the victory in, my, in your name, God. I have the victory. I have the victory. I have the victory. I have the victory in my job. I have the victory in my life. Every part of my family life. Father, even my brothers and sisters, I have the victory, Lord God. I have the victory in Jesus' name. I'm not going to walk in that shame. And I'm going to walk in the truth. I'm going to walk in His light. God, reveal your light. Hallelujah. Reveal your light to us, God. Reveal what's right in us, God. Reveal what things were deceived in our life, God. Have your way. something out and I'll just ask you to repeat after me and we're going to repent of not walking in light that we had and we're going to commit to walking in the light that he gives us all right so father I present myself to you tonight and I acknowledge I have not always walked in the light you gave me I recognize this is sin. And I repent of that. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And Father, I ask you for more light. I will walk in it. I will be a doer of your word. Watching over it to keep it. I thank you, Lord, that you enable me to shine as light, to walk in the works that you've created me for, that you will be glorified. And thank you, Jesus.
Now, if you prayed that and you meant it, you expect to begin to see things that you didn't see before. See things that you forgot you knew. See things that are going to make difference for you and in your family and in your finances and in your relationships and in your workplace walk, in your love walk. Hallelujah. The next two weeks, we're going to have such a precious opportunity to hear from the Lord. Uh, next weekend, we're going to have Brother Larry Mills here, all the way from Turkey. And he is going to be ministering here Saturday night. And then the following weekend, June 5th, I think it is, on Saturday night, uh, Pastor Jake Kale from Threshold Church is going to be ministering here. So mark your calendars. Be sure to come and uh, hear what the Lord would minister to you on those nights. And I know I'm looking forward to it a whole lot because more light means greater glory to the Father. All right? One way we love God is we love on one another. So do that as you go. Everyone's invited downstairs where we have a time of fellowship. Good evening. Welcome to Church of the Word International. We are really glad that you're here tonight. Thanks for showing up. You know, Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself with other believers. Amen. Even more as a day approaches. How many of you know the day is approaching? It's certainly in our future, that day when we're all going to be around the throne. And what are we going to be doing there? Worshiping. You know, it's the one thing the Father says he's seeking right now in the flesh on the earth is worshipers who will, who will seek him in spirit and truth. So if he's asking us for that right now, that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. And in Revelation, I mean, you can just go to Revelations and we're going to see exactly what's going on in chapter 4 and 5. The 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. You know, you're going to get some crowns. And that's what we're going to be doing is casting the crowns before the Lord saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you, you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. In chapter 5, it says they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. You were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Well, there's thousands and ten thousands and thousands of thousands. Say, that's one of those are me. 
One of those for me. It's true. And they say we are going to be singing with a loud voice in verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. That's what we're going to be singing and worshiping for all of eternity because he is so worthy of it. Well, we get the opportunity tonight in the flesh to stand up together as the body of Christ and a family here at Church of the Word to worship our Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Deliverer who shed his blood so that we could be plucked out of hell and put into the kingdom of God here and now. Is that something to worship about? Well, let's all stand up together and let's do that. Hallelujah. so glad to see Jesus in you and on you. So glad you're here tonight. One way we love God is by loving one another and the children may be dismissed. Well, good evening again to everyone. You glad to be in the house of the Lord with like-minded saints? All right, we're in the right place. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. Also, if this is your first time here at Church of the Word International, can you raise your hand? We'd like to welcome you. Anyone for the first time? Over here. Well, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Our ushers will give you an information card if you want to fill that out. Any prayer requests you may have, you just put it in the basket as it goes by. All right. Well, I may as well just warn you, get ready to participate. <laughs> that you, you've, you've been warned. So, so we're going to hear from you tonight. You know, in this house, we believe in the Word, and we believe in teaching the Word. And so we teach tithing, and we teach giving offerings. And we also teach that there's reward in that. I mean, how many know Malachi says that there's blessing if you're a tither? The windows of heaven are open for you. 
The devourer is rebuked for your sake. Um, how about Proverbs? Uh, your barns, your storehouse is being filled with plenty if you honor the Lord with your wealth, with your stuff. So we believe that. And so we also expect to see that come to pass in your life, right? So I'm going to read to you from Psalms um, 40. 9 and 10 says this, As I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation, behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. See, we're not going to hide his deliverance just in our heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So we don't want to do that tonight. We don't want to have you know, God doing stuff for us, being faithful and kind, you know, delivering us from you know, financial hardship. We're in the area of finances primarily is what we're asking for testimonies of, but we're not going to conceal his goodness to us. So we want to hear from you. So what has God done for you? Who wants to exalt Jesus first? All right. Evan, you want to come? Okay, you can stand. Just yell. Woo! Awesome. We're happy for you. That's awesome. Good to hear that. Anyone else? Shane. Praise God. And we're looking forward to hear that testimony. Who else would like to share? Who else has seen God deliver them in the area of finances or blessing? In the back, Alex. You got offered what? Wow! Awesome! Woo-hoo. That's great to hear, Alex. Anybody else? Don't want to take away the opportunity. Keisha. It's okay. Wow. That's awesome. He's so faithful. Did you have something you wanted to share? Wow. That is... Five minutes after you go. See, he is so faithful. He's, his kindness is just everywhere. It's when you look for it. And I know in our life, there's been countless times where you know, the devourer has set out to devour something. Why, wow, it sounds kind of... It's tried to, you know, here comes an unexpected expense. But you know what? God had already had the answer. You know, money came unexpectedly from different sources and just covered that, took care of that. I've seen that time and time again in our lives. So... We just want to rejoice about that. God is good. He's faithful. And he's so kind. And always you can count on him to keep his word. So we're just going to take a hold of our ties in gratefulness. And we're going to present that to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for being such a good provider. And that your heart is good towards us. And that any need that we have, we know that you have an answer for it. So we just praise you tonight. We exalt you in the ways that you've delivered us. You've brought our feet out of the net time and time again and met needs that we didn't even see coming, but you saw coming and you had an answer prepared. So we just thank you. We just call these tithers blessed in the name of Jesus and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. People will give to the Lord. Um, In the bulletin, we've got our men's... Breakfast, the men's group breakfast coming up this Saturday. So contact Josh. I think that's at 8 a.m. here at the church. We also have a new foundations class starting up. So 
How many of you were part of the last foundations class? If you were part of it, you want to stand up and just so everybody can, can see for the next thing I'm going to say? All right, if you're interested in being part of the foundations class, talk to one of them if you're like, what's that all about, you know? Um, I'm maybe interested, but you want to know what more what it's more about, just go ahead and talk to one of them. And if you're interested to be a part of it, we have a sign-up sheet in the back. VBS is coming up. So we got kids looking forward to that. And it takes a lot of volunteers. And, you know, it is truly a ministry, you know, to minister and sow seeds into kids when they're young. Um, so I just would encourage you to, you know, take that personally. Take this. This is the Great Commission. So there's going to be opportunity to serve and give in some way and be involved in that. So just letting you be aware. I'm not sure that we have signed up sheets yet. Not yet. Are they? Okay. Okay. Well, if you didn't sign up and you'd like to, talk to Kelly Burroughs here on the front row.